Everybody's talking about my tight pants. I got my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. Everybody's talking about my tight pants. I said my tight pants. I got my tight pants on. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1944 season. Tonight we have for you as guest Groucho Marx, which is excellent. But speaking of shows with guests... <laughs> The Tonight Show just had Jimmy Fallon take over earlier this week for Jay Leno, and I haven't really talked about that, well, at all, and last time they had the big change-up, um, I talked a lot about it, so when Conan took over for uh, Jay Leno, and then Jay Leno took the show back, anyway, now Jimmy Fallon's taking over, I predict Jimmy Fallon will be there for quite a while, um, Fallon does just uh, a great job with his comedy. He does um, a great job of making you feel like you're in on it, which is a tricky, hard thing to do. Um, it's not comedy thrown at you, it's comedy done with you. And I, I just think that Hollywood embraces him, and, and the, um, he makes other people, in the same way that Jack does in a way, he makes other people funnier than they really are. And I think that is what Johnny Carson did as well. And it's just a, gr a great way to get the audience enjoying um, something together, a shared um, piece of comedy together, which is wonderful. So anyway, I wish Jimmy Fallon the best. And um, if you haven't tuned in, I would suggest you watch uh, The First Night with Will Smith as his guest, and you two as the musical performers. Uh, you can catch it probably over on Hulu, I would think. And then also, the second night um, is when I'm recording this right after the second night. So that was with, of course, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. And I think Lady Gaga was his musical guest. So pretty big name, folks. Either one of those shows could have been the first show. Anyway, um, where are we at? Oh, Groucho Marx. Well, Groucho... Uh, the story, of course, is that Groucho originally had problems with his lines on Jack's show, and Jack was not delighted about that, and so uh, Groucho, I think, only makes this one appearance on Jack's um, radio show, and so enjoy it while it lasts, and of course Groucho was with the Marx Brothers, and later his own show, um, just uh, always added tremendous amount of uh, flair to anything he did. I believe it was young Ginny Sims show as maybe. I'm trying to remember who other shows. He was on another show where he wasn't necessarily a regular but he appeared almost all the time. Groucho appeared once on the radio show and once on Jack's television show. So I'll do a link to Jack's television show episode plus I will do a link to one of the Marx Brothers movies that's on YouTube. I believe it's A Day at the Races. And also there is a documentary about the Marx Brothers on YouTube that is narrated by Leslie Nielsen. And I love Leslie Nielsen as well, so it's kind of cool to have him narrate that. So I will uh, link to that as well, so you get a chance to hear a little bit and learn a little bit about, about the Marx Brothers. Uh, they were a phenomenal comedy team and changed comedy probably forever. 
anyway, let's get on with the show. The Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. we talk about a man being a swell provider, don't you? Meaning he's the guy that produces the goods and how. Well, tonight I'd like to talk about two swell providers for your breakfast table. They're Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. Boy, do they produce the goods. First, with that grand go-right-to-your-heart flavor, the baldy-rich flavor of sun-ripened wheat and malted barley. Grape Nuts, crisp and crunchy. Grape Nuts Flakes, delicate, toasty brown flakes. Oh, boy. Why, when you sit down to a breakfast with one of these two cheerful, tempting treats, right away you feel all's right with the world. And you'll continue feeling that way all morning long. You see, nutritionists tell us the adequate breakfast should include a cereal with whole grain food values. And there you are. Both grape nuts and grape nuts flakes are crammed full of whole grain nourishment, including iron, niacin, and vitamin B1. Yes, for delicious goodness plus grand nourishment, Get those swell providers, Grape Nuts and Grape Nuts Flakes. gentlemen, as our show opens today, we move the clock back a few hours and take you to Jack Benny's house, where Jack is entertaining his friend, Groucho Marx, and Rochester is busy cleaning up the library. My heart tells me this is just a... My, my, this library show is dusty. Must be 50 shelves in here. I wish Mr. Benny would get books for him. Mm, this room certainly looks empty. Just a pair of bookends holding up a social security card. <laughs> My heart tells me this is just a fling. Yet you say our love means everything. Do you mean what you are saying? Hello, Mr. Benny's residence. Oh, hello, Sam. What's the good word? I can't get off today. And even if I could, I wouldn't participate. I made a New Year's resolution not to play dice anymore. I can't show you the resolution. I lost it in a crap game. <laughs> anyway, Sam, I'm too busy. We have company. I don't know. Some grouch by the name of Marks. <laughs> oh, oh, Rochester. I'll be with you in a second, boss. I gotta say goodbye now, Sam. See you Wednesday. Oh, well, I'll see you Friday. The game ought to be over by then. <laughs> so long. Rochester, we're out in the patio. Coming! Boy, that was a tough game, wasn't it, Groucho? Yeah, I, I never thought you'd beat me.
Groucho. Groucho, would you... Would you like to start another game, or do you want to rest first? I don't need any rest. So only this time you set up the check award. <laughs> okay. Of course, I could get Rochester to set it up. No, no, that way we wouldn't get any exercise at all. That's right. Did you call, boss? Uh, Rochester, Mr. Marks and I just finished our game. We'd like a drink. I want a Coke. What would you like, Groucho? Right now, I'd like Hedy Lamar, but my sponsor wants me to say Blue Ribbon Beer. <laughs> oh, well... I'll have, a, I'll have a man-to-man talk with my sponsor. I'll talk to him about the birds and the beers. And the... Groucho, please. You're sorry you didn't think of that line, aren't you? Yeah. Well, that makes two of us that are sorry. <laughs> Come on, Groucho, let's play. Which checkers do you want this time, the blacks or the reds? Doesn't make any difference, Jack. I'm colorblind. <laughs> colorblind? Sure, the minute I came in, I gave my coat to you and shook hands with Rochester. <laughs> that was me. I spent last week in Palm Springs. I couldn't get a room, so I had to sleep out in the sun. Well, that wouldn't be so tough if you combed your eyebrows down over your eyes instead of up over your scalp. I never thought of I never thought of that. Huh? I didn't think of it either. I just read it here in the script. <laughs> I read anything they put in for me. What? Yes, sir. Here's your Coke, Mr. Benny, and Mr. Marks, here's your bottle of beer. Thank you, Rochester. That'll be 15 cents. <laughs> Rochester, Mr. Marks happens to be my guest. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Marks. There's no charge for the beer. Thanks, thanks. Say, how about a bottle opener? That'll be 15 cents. <laughs> Rochester. Jack, I thought the ticket I bought at the front door covered everything. <laughs> it does, Groucho. Now, here, uh, here's your drink. Fine-looking beer. Glass of grape nuts with a head on it. <laughs> oh, I could say as much for you. Rajo, stop clowning and let's get on with our game of checkers. Okay, it's your move. So it is, so it is. Let me see. I think I'll move this man. <laughs> hmm. No, I I think I'll move this one. <laughs> What have you got there, a butler or an outboard horse? <laughs> what? Oh, oh, now let me see. Oh, yes, I think I'll move this checker. Don't! Huh? Don't throw bouquets at me! What? It's a very subtle game. <laughs> now, let's see, maybe if I move this one. Wait! Huh? Wait till the sun shines! <laughs> I wish Frank Sinatra was on my side. <laughs> Let me see. Maybe if I move this one. Yes, I think I will. Now, wait a minute, Jack. Don't you want to wait till you hear from the hit parade? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Oh, I know. I'm going to move this one. My eyes tell me that is not the one. Huh? Unless you're playing just for fun. What? Do you know what you want? (laughs) 
quiet, Rochester. I'm, I'm trying to concentrate. This is the first time I've ever been to a checker recital. <laughs> now, let's see. I'd have been better off if I'd pay for the beer. <laughs> say, Jack, we each have eight checkers left. Uh, how about doubling the bet? Well, oh, I don't know. All right, let's leave it a nickel. <laughs> yeah, if we make it any more, it takes all the fun out of the game. Oh, say, Groucho, look, before we play any more, I want to show you a trick. Watch me, watch me balance these five red checkers on my fingernails. Look. Hey, that's a pretty good stunt. Uh-oh, boss, here comes your crazy boarder, Mr. Billingsley. Oh, yes. Hello, Mr. Billingsley. Hello, Mr. Benny. Getting a manicure, I see. <laughs> no, no, I'm playing checkers with a friend of mine. This is Groucho Marx. How do you do, Mr. Billingsley? Now, don't tell me your name. Let me guess. It's Groucho Marx. I'll get it. I'll get it. Give me time. Mr. Billingsley, it's Groucho Marx. Marx, M-A-R-X, M-A-R-X. Pleased to meet you. I'm, uh, L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. <laughs> Mr. Billingsley, if you don't mind, we're trying to play a game of checkers. Oh, then I'll run along. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. Oh, I haven't seen her in years. <laughs> Come on, Groucho, let's continue with the game. Huh? Say, Jack, uh, what's that peculiar odor I smell around here? Oh, that's my camel. I think I'll get one for my house. I need an excuse, too. <laughs> well, let's get on with our game. Gee, Groucho, isn't California wonderful? Here it is February, and we're sitting outdoors in our shirt sleeves, playing checkers. <laughs> You're right, Jack. It's a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> And say, isn't it... <laughs> Groucho, isn't it funny how all of us radio comedians kid about the California weather? Yes, and try to make people believe that the sun doesn't always shine here. You said it. <laughs> Go ahead, Groucho, it's your move. Now, let me see. Uh, I'll move this one. All right, then I'll move here. Just a moment, Jack, that's off the board. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh then I'll move here. Go ahead, Groucho. Now, let's see. Uh, I'll move this one. Well, that makes me move this one. That is a pretty clever move, Jack. Now, uh, let's see. Uh... Well, I'm afraid you're going to lose this game, Groucho. Oh, I don't care, Jack. Just sitting here looking at you is sheer ecstasy. <laughs> keep your mind on the game, Groucho. Who moved last? I did. Hey, wait a minute. Look what time it is. My goodness, I have to go over to the studio for my broadcast. Say, Groucho, do you want me to drive you home? No, thanks. I'll just wait here and catch my house as it floats by. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, you, uh... You do live upstream, don't you? <laughs> just above the dam. Yes, Yes, we come down and spawn during the month of May. See, <laughs> yeah, I gotta pick up Mary and take her to the studio. So, say, Groucho, why don't you come along and see my program? All right, but don't forget, you're coming over to my program next week. Okay, Groucho, it's a deal. Okay, oh, goodbye, boss, Jack. Boss, better come in. Why? That California dust is coming down in buckets. <laughs> oh, it is a that. Come on in, Groucho.
Butterfly. Butterfly. Yes, Miss Livingston? Uh, Mr. Benny's picking me up in a few minutes, and I don't know what dress to wear. Well... You think it'd be all right if I wore my green dress with my brown coat? Oh, it's all right with me if it's all right with you. Well, the only trouble is when I wear that green dress, everybody keeps looking at me. You should worry, as long as you've got it on. <laughs> I suppose so. Anyway, Mr. Benny always likes to see me nicely dressed at the broadcast. I wish he were here now. Well, don't worry. Your green dress looks awfully pretty. No, I'm not worried about the dress now. I'm thinking about the shoes. I don't know whether he'd like me to wear high heels or low heels. I think Mr. Benny is a low heel type. <laughs> Butterfly, what do you mean? I mean he'd like you to look shorter than him. Oh. Now take my boyfriend, Jerome. He always wants me to wear high heels. Why? Does he want you to look taller? No, he likes to trip me. <laughs> trip you? Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Oh, that must be Mr. Benny now. I better hurry along, Butterfly. See you when I get home from the broadcast. All right. Goodbye, Miss Livingston. And I hope you'll be very funny on the program. Well, thanks, Butterfly. I'm glad you're interested. Oh, it's not that. But when you don't get laughed, I can't show my face on Central Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try my best. Goodbye. Bye. Mary, hurry up. We'll be late for the program. I'm coming. I'm coming. <laughs> Jack. Hiya, Mary. Hello, Mr. Benny. Don. Don, are we ready to start the show? Well, Jack, the show's been on ten minutes. Oh, oh, that's right. Is everybody here? Yeah. Good, because I've got a big surprise. Now, ladies and gentlemen, tonight for our feature attraction, we're going to do one of our great mystery melodramas entitled, Who Put the Thumbtack on Mrs. Gilroy's Davenport? Or... <laughs> now, in this play... <laughs> In this play, I will once again be that master super sleuth, Captain O'Benny. And Phil... Oh, for heaven's sake, Jack. Every time we do one of these plays, you always want to be the captain. Yeah, why don't you let somebody else be the captain? All right, Phil, you can be the captain. I'll be the sergeant. It's about time I got a decent part. All right, all right, you're the captain. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as the scene opens at police headquarters, the captain is found dead. <laughs> Which immediately promotes... Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is something wrong, Bud? Well, I want to be the sergeant. You be the captain. Well, if you insist, Bill, you're the sergeant. Now, Dennis, you're going to be my expert on fingerprints. What's a fingerprint? Look, kid, when you put your hand on a doorknob, pull the door open and go inside, what do you leave on the doorknob? My glove, it's too big for me. I don't mean that. Oh, I'll explain it to him, Jack. Look, Dennis, did you ever see Mr. Benny eating in a restaurant? Yeah. Well, a fingerprint is what he leaves on the table for the waitress. <laughs> Very funny. Who told you that joke? A waitress. A waitress, I know. <laughs> Phil, you and Dennis will be my assistants, and Don, you're going to be the murdered man. The murdered man? Yes. You don't mind, do you? Mm, oh, no, not at all, but... Tell me, Jack, do I get killed before breakfast or after? Oh, Don, what's the difference? What's the difference? 
Are you crazy? Down. Why, if I'm killed before breakfast, I won't have a chance to eat those toasty brown sweet as a nut grape nuts flakes. I know, Gonzi, but... Let me die after breakfast, then I can act. You can? Yes, my motto is, eat a good breakfast, do a better job. Oh, oh, I see. Well, all right, Don, we'll fix it that way. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, this mystery melodrama will go on immediately after Don has his breakfast and Dennis sings his song. Go ahead, Dennis. Okay. Oh, Mr. Benny, before I sing, there's something I'd like to ask you. What is it, kid? Did Mrs. George Bernard Shaw leave you anything? <laughs> no, no, Dennis. Go ahead and sing, will you? Anything come what might For the sake of having you near In spite of a warning voice That comes in the night And repeats and repeats in my ear Don't you know, little fool You never can win Use your mentality Wake up to reality each time I do just the thought of you makes me stop before I begin cause I've got you under my That was I've Got You Under My Skin, sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our mystery melodrama entitled... Say, Jack. What? Did you hear Fred Allen's program last week? Well, I was driving along in my car listening to the radio just as Allen was coming on the air. Oh, then you heard him. No. Fortunately, I had a wreck in the nick of time. <laughs> what happened on Allen's program? Well, he was talking to Luella Parsons about the book she wrote. Oh, the one about all the leading radio and screen personalities? Yes, and Alan said if she tore out the pages about you, the book would sell for a higher price. Oh. 
Well, Alan was just mad because his life story was so short. Born in Boston, died in Boston. <laughs> Buried in radio. <laughs> there. Anyway, Mary, that book Luella Parsons wrote is really swell. It's called The Gay Illiterate. Hey, wait a minute, Jackson. Don't get personal. <laughs> Bill, I wasn't talking about you. I just mentioned the title of the book, The Gay Illiterate. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in being gay. <laughs> Thank you, kid. Anyway, getting back to Alan, I could tell you more, but since this is Good Fellowship Week, I must admit that deep in my heart, I love Fred Allen. And now, folks... Say, Jackson, that reminds me. You know the magazine Billboard had a radio editor's poll and they voted Fred Allen's program the funniest on the air. Oh, they did, eh? Well, let me tell you... Jack, Jack, this is Good Fellowship Week. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, Freddie. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, for our thrilling mystery melodrama entitled The Gilroy Murder Case, or He Must Have Been a Sword Swallower Because the Stabbing Was an Inside Job. <laughs> that sounds like a Groucho Marx if I ever heard one. <laughs> The scene opens. The scene opens behind closed doors. The scene opens behind closed doors at police headquarters, where we find that rough, tough, hard-bitten super sleuth, Captain O'Benny. Curtain. Music. Lay that pistol down, B. Lay that pistol down. Captain O'Benny! Woo! <laughs> I wish you wouldn't scare me, O'Harris. I'm alone here, you know. Now, what is it? Well, Sergeant O'Day and me want to know if you have any more assignments for us. More? What happened on that Langley murder case that sent you two to investigate? Oh, that we did, sir. <laughs> That's right, Captain. We went over there, but we found the man dead. Good. What did you do? We buried him and went home. <laughs> Fine bunch of assistants I've got. Now listen, men. I'll take it. Hello, Police Captain O'Benny speaking. Oh, Captain, Captain, this is Mrs. Gilroy. Yes? Come over to my house at once. My husband was murdered. Murdered? When? Now. <laughs> now? Yes, he ate a good breakfast, but I did a better job. I see. Well, we'll, re we'll be right over. Goodbye. All right, men, there's been a murder. Close the doors and don't let anybody out. But, Captain, it didn't happen here. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Come on, fellas, let's go. The police car's outside. And we'll find the murder of Mrs. Gilroy's husband, or my name ain't Clearwater, Clapsaddle, O'Benny. <laughs> This is the house, man. Hmm. There she is now. We're the police. Are you the widow? Yes. Oh, poor Donald. He was such a good husband. Oh, Donald, why did you leave me? I know how you feel, Mrs. Gilroy. <laughs> and what an ordeal I'll have to go through. 
You see, Donald loved my voice, and I promised him I'd sing at his funeral tomorrow. We're going to bury him today. <laughs> Quiet and cut out the dialect. Oh. <laughs> I hope he hears me. Oh, my poor Donald. You, you promised your husband you'd sing at his funeral? Yes. Mersey dose and dozy dose and little empty divey, you kiss me divey too, wouldn't you? Oh, poor, poor Donald. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Hey, Chief. What? I happen to know that yesterday Mrs. Gilroy took out a million-dollar insurance policy on her husband. Uh -huh. Then she went out and got herself a pistol permit. Then she bought a sharp knife, an axe, and a pound of arsenic. <laughs> That must have been Phil Harris's line. <laughs> hmm. Well, then what killed him? Measles. Oh, yes. X marks the spots. Oh, my poor husband. He's gone. And left me with seven children. Seven little children that I'll have to raise myself. Oh, why did he have to die and leave me to care for those poor little innocent darlings? Oh, why? 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 Wait a minute. Calm down. You haven't any children. I know, but this is the week of the Academy Award, and I thought I'd make a stab at it. <laughs> well, forget about it. Come in. Say, I understand that a man was murdered here a couple of hours ago. That's right. What do you know about it? Nothing. I just want to read his room. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry, but his room's not for rent, honey. Okay. Goodbye, honey. Aha, <laughs> uh -huh, my first suspect. What are you talking about? I never saw that man before in my life. And why did you call him honey and kiss him? This is good fellowship week. <laughs> oh, yes, I keep forgetting. Well, I'm going to search this room. Now, listen, Mrs. Gilroy. Hey, Chief, Chief. What is it, O'Day? Would you think a man is guilty if you saw him running around with a smoking gun in one hand, a bloodstained knife in the other, and he just kept screaming? I did it. I did it, and I'm glad. I tell you, I'm glad I did it. Ha! I'm glad I did it. Why, of course that man is guilty. Well, if I see anyone like that, I'll arrest him. <laughs> that old day is a great detective. Now listen, Mrs. Gilroy, I'm going to search this room to find the murder of your husband. I'll look in this closet first. Ah, here's a gun. Put it in your handkerchief, O'Harris. In my handkerchief? Yes, then you won't erase the fingerprint. Okay. Now let's... O'Harris, what happened? I shouldn't have blown my nose with it. <laughs> That's all right. You look better that way. <laughs> now, come on here, O'Harris. Let's go out in the backyard and look for more clues. Yeah, it's too nice a day to be inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look. A box, face down on the grass. Yeah, and he's wearing a checkered suit. A checkered suit? See, that gives me a great idea. Can you play checkers, O'Harris? Yeah, Chief. Then what are we waiting for? Sure, we can use the buttons for checkers. Okay. It's your move, O'Harris. Now, uh, let's see. Okay, I'll move this one. Okay. I think I'll move this one. All right, I'll jump you. Doggone, it looks like you got me cornered this time. Well, let's see. I'll move this one here, and then we'll...
worked real hard in that mystery drama, so I'm going to help you out now. You're going to help me out? Yes, sir. I'm going to do some announcing for you. Folks, you just don't know how good breakfast can be unless you've enjoyed that malty wrist toasty brown flake cereal that's American favorite. Now, just a second, Rochester. You left out something. Oh, no, Mr. Wilson. Folks, if you've never tried this distinctive flake cereal with the sweet as a nut flavor, you just don't oh, know... Rochester, you left out something. Oh, no, Mr. Wilson. Folks, you never tasted anything more delicious than that multi-rich goodness and that wonderful whole grain nourishment is something you need every day. But, Rochester, listen, and this is important. You've left out something. What, Mr. Wilson? What did I leave out? You left out the name. What's the name of this multi-rich, toasty brown flake cereal with the wonderful whole grain nourishment? Huh? Why, uh... Well, Rochester, I haven't heard you mention it yet. Mr. Wilson, when you say the multi-rich, whole-grain, flake cereal that's an American favorite, why, everybody just knows it's... it's... Well, I gotta go now. I'll see you later, Mr. Wilson. Rochester, it's Grape Nuts Flake. Well, what do you know? So long, folks. Groucho, Groucho, I'll see you on your program next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Aha and oh-ho, if you crave something good, get hot grape nuts wheat meal. Ladies, you should. Aha and oh-ho, if you want a real prize, then ask for the big new economy size. Yes, a bargain in quality and quantity, too, of the luscious hot cereal that tops in flavor, full-bodied texture, real whole wheat nourishment. That's hot grape nuts wheat meal in the big 30-ounce economy size package. This is the National Broadcasting Company. proud to bring to you the co-presidents of the what is the afternoon fine arts league Daisy and Mindy in Cold Sporter's great number Friendship Maestro <laughs> Phil Harrison, Alice Faye time. Woohoo! <laughs> and this one is called Firing Elliot, I think. <laughs> I yeah. forgot to look at the title, <laughs> but it's something along that line. Firing Elliot? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun listening to this one. <laughs> it brought up several things for me to uh, look up. You know how Phil is often calling people not by the right name? Like sometimes he'll call Elliot Clyde or Merv mm -hmm. or whatever. Yep. Well, he calls someone in his band Clyde McCoy. And it was such a specific reference. I was like, I don't think that's a throwaway name. I think that's something real. <laughs> so I looked it up and it's... It was real. Clyde McCoy is a real person. He's an American jazz trumpeter. And oh, okay. I was like, oh, wow. So it's another one of those fun things that I never would have known of this person if there hadn't been that line in the show. And so it, it was actually kind of fun to read about him. His, You know how his last name is McCoy? Well, apparently mm -hmm. he's from the family that's part of the Hatfield-McCoy feud. Oh. In Kentucky. <laughs> Is that still going on, by the way? 
Uh, I think they claim it does. It probably does, but it's nothing like it was. And I'm actually friends with two different people that are one descends from the McCoys and one comes from the Hatfields. They oh. don't know each other, though. Oh, <laughs> you've never been brave enough to introduce the two? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually don't have anything in common anyway, other than me. So. Okay. <laughs> and that's not enough. Not even in the same state anymore, but they both come from Kentucky. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it was kind of fun reading about him. I just read a little bit, uh, that the little bit that there was on Wikipedia. And mm-hmm. um, he was actually started to perform on the riverboats in, on the Mississippi River. And he was one of the youngest musicians at the age of 14. He's sitting there playing on the riverboats. I was like, holy cow. Wow. So, but he, he went on to become like really popular for several decades and his... The song that he's most known for is the Sugar Blues. Okay. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was fun learning about that. And uh, apparently he's the one that developed the signature wah-wah sound in the late 1920s. So. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, so I learned some new stuff when I was listening to this. <laughs> Uh, so, in the episode, did you think it was funny when, uh, I thought it was funny when Phil is trying to get Elliot to sound the note for the band to tune themselves up to, Oh, and mm-hmm. the way he gets them to find it on the piano? Yeah. Yeah, that made me laugh. The whole, the whole episode did, actually. It was really funny. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> I just thought it was funny that they used... A brand name of the piano to get to the right letter <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh <laughs> i know and, and to me it's always funny that he the running joke is they're a terrible band and they're just <laughs> they've got no like real instruments and they're you know kind of pathetic but then they start to play and oh boy <laughs> they're so good <laughs> i know <laughs> Yeah, even the song to me, I mean, it was a funny song, too, and uh-huh. yeah, the whole episode was really kind of a happy <laughs> moment in my day. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah I, I like the song that Phil sings because it reminds me of, of a movie I've seen called Two Weeks with Love, and it's mm-hmm. it's sung in that movie, so it's kind of fun to hear it sung by a different performer, and it, like you said, it's just a fun song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love... It kind of struck me that, because um, I was just listening to it in my car, I usually listen to these things at home, but uh-huh. didn't have time and an option for that. And <laughs> and it just kind of, I jotted down a note as I was sitting there eating lunch in my car that it it is so, it, it makes me smile how much the audience reacts to Phil. They love him so oh, much. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> like, he can say a few words in a song and just give it the right kind of inflection yep. or energy and they just giggle. And I mean, it's men and women. You can tell giggling. And yeah. I, like, yeah. He was beloved. <laughs> he was, he was he really a was. great entertainer. <laughs> I you hit the nail on the head. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say it any better myself. <laughs> So, yeah, this is just a fun episode from start to finish. And, um, oh, there is one part where they're talking, where one of the guys in the band is saying, oh, mine, papa. 
And he oh, says it uh-huh. several times. That's actually a song. <laughs> yeah. A German song. And yep. um I sing it actually. <laughs> to oh really? My cat. Yeah, this is really pathetic. I sing it to my cats. <laughs> 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 you know, like Paul's. You oh, know. okay. Yeah. <laughs> corny. It's my corny side. But That's only the awesome. Cats see, yeah. <laughs> yep. I don't really know the rest of it. I just know on my papa. To me, you are so beautiful. That's what um, I sing to him. Yeah, yeah, that's that's about what I know. Like I've heard the whole song <laughs> before, but that's about what I know. Yeah, and it's it's a fun one. <laughs> too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think what other things in the episode. Uh, it's just it's just funny. <laughs> I don't want to say too much more about it because I don't want to give a lot away, but. Oh, I did notice that Alice wasn't in it very much this time. You know, and I, I've noticed that I would say, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it just feels this way because I am in love with her. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like she's not not that dominant in uh-huh. the storylines. She's never, very rarely is she kind of equal time with Phil. And I don't know if. Yeah. That was her preference, or if it just kind of ended up that way over the years as they did this, I don't know. But she, the ones we've listened to recently, she's almost really not a part of it for some reason. Uh-huh. So maybe she had. Yeah. I don't know, because I was kind of noticing that too, that she doesn't show up as much. I mean, she's there, but not as much. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a lot of it's because it's Phil and Elliot getting into... Mm-hmm. escapades and then she kind of comes in as the rescuer but it's right. all about Phil and Elliot yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know I, I'll i have to go back and listen to some of the earlier ones and see if it's that way too it was but... always that way well and the one we have coming up um, slight preview <laughs> oh. she's more kind of equal footing uh-huh. from the very beginning she's involved so yeah. you know there um, are some shows that, I mean, now that I think of it that she does show up more um, it's just, I guess, in the these last few that we've listened to, she's her part isn't as big because mm-hmm. of the buildup for Phil and Elliot with their escapades. I sure. guess <laughs> it's the the price she pays is the straight man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I. Think this is a great show we should probably turn it over to the ladies and gentlemen to give it a listen what do you say sounds good all right everyone enjoy this wonderful show rca victor we're leader in radio first in recorded music and first in television presents the phil harris alice bay show Enjoyment here is the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, transcribed, written by Jack Douglas and Marvin Fisher, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Janine Roos, Ann Whitfield, the orchestra under the direction of Skip Martin, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. First, a word from RCA Victor. Three letters. Yes, three letters. RCA now mean years of easier cooking for you. You'll find the RCA emblem on time-saving, work-saving RCA estate ranges. The only ranges that grill, bake, and barbecue all at once. Yes, 
RCA brings you many wonderful features to take all the drudgery out of cooking. The unique hideaway griddle right on top of the range gives real grilled flavor. The sensational barbecue or meat oven gives roasts and poultry a true charcoal done flavor. And the spacious balanced heat bake oven with absolutely even heat assures you perfect results every time. All this in the beautiful RCA estate gas or electric ranges, plus automatic controls that do your cooking for you even when you're out. Here's the range you've always dreamed of, a new RCA estate. See them the first chance you get at your neighborhood dealers. And now the stars of the RCA Victor program, Alice Fay and Phil Harris. It's a matter of history that Napoleon retained control of his troops by his relentless discipline. Phil Harris is also aware that no organization can function properly without an iron hand at the helm. And we now find him administering a stern lecture to his orchestra. All right, fellas. Okay, fellas, let's quiet down, huh? All right, fellas, let's quiet down. That's it, quiet down. Now listen, you guys, it may come as a surprise to some of you, but I happen to be the leader of this outfit. I'm in full control. <laughs> I'm the general, the dictator, the boss. And you're going to do what I say as long as I'm paying your salary. What salary? <laughs> we haven't paid for eight months. You found the one flaw in my argument. <laughs> It just happens that your last few checks were all used up by certain deductions. You know, the fellows would like to have you explain those deductions, Curly. They are very simple. There's the musician's tax, the state tax, the withholding tax, the non-withholding tax, <laughs> and the Clyde McCoy Memorial Fund. <laughs> And, last but not least, the most important one, the Phil Harris Benevolent and Protective Insurance Program. <laughs> Curly, we've been paying into that insurance company you organized for 14 years. None of us ever received any benefit. Tut, tut, don't worry, you're covered. <laughs> From what? Mr. Lewis, it states right in your policy that you get a check for $8.00 and 72 cents each and every week that you're laid up with jungle fever. <laughs> jungle fever comes from Africa. How are any of us ever going to be in Africa? The route you guys take home every Saturday night, you're right on the fringe, Clyde. <laughs> right on the fringe. Now, look, don't change the subject. This is the only band in the business with no discipline. Now, look, there's going to be a new set of rules around here, and here's the first one. You remember last week the tenor sax player swallowed his mouthpiece? <laughs> well, from now on, there'll be no more playing in contour chairs. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, tune up the band. Tune up the band? <laughs> 
You heard me. Tune up the band. Okay. Gee, what a slave driver. <laughs> What are you waiting for? I forgot how. <laughs> sound an A. I showed you how to sound an A. Look, on the piano. Remember? Steinway. Oh, oh, yeah. That's it. Now, let me see. Uh, F, T, E, I, N, W. Oh, here it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's good going, Dad. That's it. All right, you got that, fellas? One, two. Welcome his champagne, you. <laughs> that would have been perfect, but we didn't have no bottom in it. I didn't hear no bottom. I didn't hear no bass. Hey, uh, uh, Smaltz, you. Why weren't you playing? Why I wasn't playing? I'll tell you why wasn't I playing. Because I don't like this kind of music as this. That's why wasn't I playing. <laughs> I suppose that you're too good for our kind of music. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Und a double, yeah. <laughs> In Stitzelberg, Germany, where I come from, that's where they got good music. Well, I like the kind of music we play. You should have it yet. <laughs> Stitzelberg, you should hear every Saturday night on the radio the Hammerschlag and Hit Parade. Sponsored by the Hammerschlag and Sauerkraut Company <laughs> Ah, what a theme song It goes like this Hammerschlag and Sauerkraut Hitch the spot There wird cold or there wird hot Comes and jaws my turf and his Open up the top and listen to it fizz <laughs> Sauerkraut sounds like a real gasser. <laughs> yeah, you could run a Jaguar on the Jew. All right. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Smaltz. You got to learn to play our kind of music on that bass horn of yours. So please forget about Stitzelberg. Forget about Stitzelberg? How could I forget about Stitzelberg? <laughs> my family is there All my sisters My brothers My mother And oh my papa <laughs> Oh my papa <laughs> All right I'm sure your father was a great guy. But your bottom clock worst he was. <laughs> you should have known mine, Papa. 
Why, he was so respected in the village. Whenever he would walk down the Pilsen Plough, everybody would say, there he goes. Herr Underleden Schwarzengut, Director von Obermeister. Oh, was he the mayor? No, he was the head Gustav in a sausage factory. A who's that? Yeah. When someone would fall in the sausage machine, my father would look in and say, Who's that? (laughs) (laughs) That's an old German folk joke. (laughs) Oh, mein Papa. Okay, okay. Will you? Now, look, guys, I want you to settle down and take this music seriously. Because we've got a very important job to play in a couple of weeks. Where's that, Curly? It's one of the biggest events on the social calendar. It's the annual hijinks of the Salinas Lettuce Packers. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a street dance. Really? Yep. But at the street dance this year, instead of chaperones, they're going to have lifeguards. Because last year, one of the lettuce pickers got carried away by the music of the Moonlight Waltz and waltzed right down a storm drain. (laughs) He was picked up by a Portuguese sardine boat near the Malibu Pier. Oh, yeah, I remember. They awarded that guy the Arthur Murray Cup for the Samba. That's right. You'd be surprised what new steps you can invent with your pants full of anchovies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Clyde, who cares about the price of coffee as long as we've got each other? (laughs) Hey, fellas, we're going to have to play real good on that job, so let's go to work now. You ready? Okay. Now watch me. One, two... Don't talk back. Hold it. <laughs> What's that? What's the matter, Jack? Don't you like gypsy music? <laughs> <laughs> That's gypsy music? Yeah. I can't make a violin cry, but I sure can make a trombone sweat. Listen. Wait a Hold it. All right, all right. Hold it, hold it. Now, wait a second, Granny. Where'd you come from? What are you doing in my band? What happened to my regular trombone player, Ziggy? He couldn't make it today because he's sick. Sick? What's the matter with him? He's got jungle fever. (laughs) If he's yellow, I'll pay him. Let me ask you something. A dame your age playing trombone, how do I know that you can cut the arrangement? Come on, Jack. I gotta make a few extra bucks. I got a husband to support. (laughs) Oh? Yeah, he's a midget. But he's solid, man. Solid. (laughs) Real gone. (laughs) Come on, now. Give me a downbeat and let's get on with this bash. 
Now, hold on, Curly. Hey, wait a minute. This, this... Uh, hey, Granny. Yeah. How'd you ever happen to get married to a midget? Well, I was playing a trombone at a nightclub one night, and I reached out my slide for a low note, and when I brought it back, he was hooked on the end of it. <laughs> Look, I'll never be able to hold my head up down at the union, but I'm going to give you a trial. Now, come on. Let's run through my song one. Young Johnny Jones, he had a cute little boat. And all the girlies he would take for a float. He had girlies by the score. Sweet little peaches on the shore. But Johnny was a Weisenheimer, you know The steady girl was Flo And every Sunday afternoon They'd jump in his boat and then they'd spin And then he'd row, row, row Right up that river he would row, row, row A hug he'd give her then, he'd kiss her now and then She would tell him when and then he'd fool around and fool around Kiss again. <laughs> a little further he would row, just he and Flo. And with her head on his chest, he'd take a few measures, rest, and off he'd row, row, row. In Johnny's boat, he had a cute little seat. And all the kisses that he stole were so sweet. And he knew just how to row. He was that rowing Romeo. He had an island where the trees were so grand. He knew just how to land. Then tales of love he'd tell the flow till it was time for them to go. And then he'd row, row, row. On up that river he would row so slow. That hug he'd give her, then he'd kiss her now then. She would tell him when that he A little further he would row, just he and flow. And then he'd drop both the oars, take a few more encores, and off he'd row. Row, row, just he and Florence. Row, row, row right into him. Row, row. He had no Johnson Motors, so Johnny and flow would row, row. Man, all right, you played up some great riffs on that horn. You know something I'd like to use your steady? I'll see if I can't make it work out somehow. Okay, fellas, that's all for today. You can wash it up, huh? Will you listen to me, Alice? I'm telling you truthfully. Look, she's just an old lady. But, man, she really blows up a fine storm on that trombone. I know, but uh, uh, what about your regular trombone player? Well, look, honey, I'm going to keep Ziggy, and that'll make me four brass. I figure this dame will be a real novel. Oh, Phil, how can you afford to hire another musician? All I'm going to have to do, honey, is just fire somebody. Fire somebody? Who? Well, I'll just have to fire somebody who's too stupid to resent it. But... <laughs> He's your best friend. <laughs> well, maybe so, Alice, but everybody has to go sometime. This is a question of business. And besides, Elliot is the lousiest musician in the whole band. 
Oh. Well, he is, Alice. He hasn't even got a real guitar. He just ties four ribbons on a high lie bat. <laughs> well, the drummer hasn't got a drum either. He sits there pounding on a day-old pizza. <laughs> That's not true. He gets them fresh every morning. <laughs> oh, Alice, there's no two ways about it. Elliot's got to go. Now, just as soon as I think up a way to do it, I'm going to fire him. Wait a minute. On second thought, I won't fire him. I'll give him his choice between quitting or becoming the organ pumper. Oh, Phil, that's not fair. It's the lowest paid job in the musician's union. And besides, who wants to get down on his hands and knees and pump that old organ? Well, that's the idea. If he doesn't want to do it, he can quit. And that'll save me from firing him. Hey, Curly, you in the front room? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Phil, I don't want to be a witness to this treachery. Well, Alice, there comes a time in a man's life when he's got to be a man and face the consequences of his actions. This is just cold-blooded business. Elliot will come in, I'll fire him, and it'll all be over that quick. Well, good luck, but I don't think it'll be that simple. Hey, Curly, I meant to tell Wait you... Wait a minute, will you, Elliot, please? Just hold it a minute. I got something very important that I want to discuss with you. Well, I just wanted to say that I was in the other room listening to some of the recordings you made for RCA Victor. They sure picked a winner when they picked you. I never realized before, Curly... What a high-caliber voice you've got. Such enunciation, such intonation, such timbre, such beautiful resonance. It's, 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 well, gee, it, it's so great, it, it, it's overwhelming. Gosh, you really mean that, Elliot? It's... Is my singing really that good? Curly, it's, it's breathtaking. <laughs> now, what was it you wanted, Curly? <laughs> Kiss me. <laughs> no, no. No, no, I don't mean... Look, look. Well... Now, please, just let me get to the point. Yeah, Mr. Hatchet Man, take your friend's job away from him. Tell him that you're cutting off his means of livelihood. Go ahead. Starve his old gray-haired mother. <laughs> By the way, Elliot. Yeah? How's your old gray-haired mother? <laughs> Fine. She's a blonde now. <laughs> Oh, then she's still able to get around, huh? Oh, sure. But most of the time, she just sits around the house knitting. I guess she's getting to be an old lady. What's she knitting? An old man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was pretty funny, wasn't it, Curly? <laughs> Now's the time to let him have it while he's in a good mood. <laughs> Tell him if he wants to stay with the band, he's got to get down on the floor and pump the organ. <laughs> Elliot, did you ever play football? And if so, did you save the knee pads? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, you're sure are acting kind of funny, Curly. I don't understand it. Look, Elliot, I've got something very important to say to you, but I just want to be sure that I say it in the right way. And I'd like to have just, well, just, just 
a little more time to, to think it over. Look. Wait here, will you? Mm-hmm. I'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Hey, Mr. Harris, what are you doing here in the kitchen? What's it to you? Well, you're in a dan, dan, dandy mood today. <laughs> I've never seen such a long face. Get your chin out of the cat's milk. <laughs> you look like you found Jimmy Roosevelt's address book and then couldn't locate your glasses. <laughs> Wait a minute, Julius. I want you. <laughs> That's pretty timely, kid. <laughs> I want you to lay off of me now. I got real serious problems today. Oh, gee, Mr. Harris, I didn't know. Anything I can do for you? I'd like to help. Oh, you couldn't help me. It wouldn't do any good. I know you might want to help me, but you can't help me. Why so... do you know? Come on, take your thumb out of your mouth and tell Uncle Julius. <laughs> Well, I've got to fire Elliot. And to fire a guy like Elliot, you've got to be a low-down, no-good, dirty, sneaky rat. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah. What's your problem? <laughs> Look, Julius, please. Will you? Elliot's in the other room, and I got to get this over with. Well, I got an idea. Why don't you frame him? Get him to say something against you, and as soon as he insults you, fire him. Now, how could I get him to do that? Well, I'll call him in here and talk to him, and you hide behind the refrigerator and listen. Well, it's pretty sneaky, but I guess it's the only way. Go ahead. Oh, Mr. Lewis! Mr. Lewis! Yeah? Yeah? Oh, hiya, Julius. What do you want? Uh, Mr. Lewis, I need help. I want to join a club here in Encino, and I need a good sound character reference. Now, tell me honestly, what do you think of Mr. Harris? Well... I've worked for some lousy band leaders before, <laughs> but he's the best. <laughs> There's a compliment in there somewhere. I can feel it between my shoulder blades. Ah, come on, Mr. Lewis, level with me. Now, what did Mr. Harris ever actually do for you? Well, let me see. He said that he'd... But he didn't. Then he promised that... Yeah, it meant nothing. Come to think of it, the louse ain't done anything. Oh, I haven't, have I? Now, that's a hot cup of gratitude for you. Curly, what were you doing there behind a the refrigerator? So I haven't done nothing for you, huh? Tell the truth now. Where were you when I first saw you, and exactly what were you doing? Gee, Curly, the real truth? Yeah, yeah, just what were you, and what were you doing? Well, through overwork, I was subject to fainting spells. And I had sat down in the Huntington Library to rest. You were a bum, Clyde, flat in the gutter at Fifth and Main. <laughs> okay, but you didn't pick me up. No, but I put two cents in the parking meter so you could sleep a little longer. <laughs> you should have put in a nickel. When I woke up, I found a ticket shoved under my glasses. Oh. <laughs> hey, Curly, I don't get this third-degree bit. What's this all about? What's it all about? I'll tell you what's it all about. You're fired. Curly. 
fired? Take your imitation cardboard guitar case and your cotton pick and picks and get out of here. <laughs> well, all right, but gee, Curly, I'm sorry this happened at a time like this. It had to come sooner or later. Yeah, but it's just that I'm... It had to come sooner or later. Well, it's just that I haven't told any of the fellas or you about this. But my brother-in-law's the new manager at the Ambassador Hotel, and I landed the orchestra job there in the Coconut Grove. I was going to ask you to be the leader. Curly. Like I said, it don't have to come now. It can come later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't, old pal. Now that you've shown me your true colors, I'm going to take that job myself, and I'm going to be the leader. Now, wait a minute, Elliot. Let's talk it yeah. over. There's no need for you. Okay, fellas, let's try it once more. We gotta sound good in that coconut grove. You mind, fellas? Oh, no, Mr. Lewis. For you, we blow till our eyes pop out. <laughs> You're the best leader we ever had, ain't he, boy? Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, we'll try this number again. Saxophones ready? Fine. Brass ready? Rhythm? Okay, now let's take it right from the top Wait we'll... a minute, wait a minute, hold everything You can't start without me What's the matter with you? What's holding you up? Well, I'm not gonna pump this organ until I'm ready And one of my knee pads has a slow leap Seventy-nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine eighty million. Eighty million and one. Eighty million and what are you, two. What are you doing, Curly? Counting Alice's money? She doesn't deal in small change. So what's all this eighty million business? Well, I've been checking figures. Aha, and... figures. You're a sly one, Curly. Now numbers to you, Elliot, and they show that eighty million persons, every other American, have television. Now, think of that. Every other person can watch the fights, see comedies, movies, dramas, right in his own living room on television. That's a lot of television, Curly. That's a lot of people, Elliot. And you know of those 80 million, more of them own RCA Victor TV than any other kind? Which just goes to show you, people know a good thing when they see it. Right. And here's our expert on good things, Bill Foreman. Thanks, Bill. For 1954, the best buy in television is RCA Victor's new Master 21 model. For as little as $199.95, you get every advance that has made RCA Victor the most wanted and highest rated picture in 21-inch TV. How's that for value? $199.95 for 21-inch quality television with RCA Victor's famous magic monitor, Golden Throat Fidelity Sound, and Rotomatic Tuning. See the Master 21 at your RCA Victor dealers now. And remember, a factory service contract for expert installation and maintenance is available in almost all TV areas, only to RCA Victor television owners. This is Phil again. We're a little late, folks. Thanks, and good night. Good night, everybody. Included in this program transcribed were Verna Felton and Bill Thompson. The part of Julius is played by Walter Tetley. This has been an NBC Radio Network presentation.
Listen to Artie Shaw and the greatest band he ever led. From the golden age of the big band, RCA Victor brings you the Artie Shaw broadcast album. 24 recordings exactly as they went on the air. Performances never before on record. Add this collector's item to your library now. Artie Shaw's broadcast album by RCA Victor. This is the NBC Radio Network. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1953-1954 season. These next three episodes are going to be quite different because both Mary Livingston and Dennis Day are not going to be on for these three weeks. Jack's going to New York. My thought is that Dennis was probably busy doing his different uh, television shows. I think he was on multiple television shows at this point, and so probably couldn't come out to um, go with Jack to New York. And Mary, we of course talked before about her mic fright and things, but for one reason or another she couldn't come either. So it's just uh, Jack and the rest of his gang. Gives these shows a real different feel. He definitely pulled out all the stops and has a lot of his character actors involved in the show, even more than normal. But does it still make up for a lack of Mary, lack of Dennis? You'll have to decide that on your own. But it does give us a different flavor of show. So, I hope you enjoy these episodes for the next three weeks. Now, we didn't do a poll last week, but our poll this week is going to be, how long have you been listening to this podcast? Have you been listening to it for, you know, less than a year? Have you been listening for a year or two years or three years? You'll be able to select in the poll. I think we've been on for a total of six years at most, so... We'll see how many folks think that they've listened to us for six years or five years or whatever. And if you can't remember exactly, that's okay. Just make a guess. It'll be fun to see how many years you folks have listened to our, our podcast. So anyway, and I'll, and I'll link to that poll. I mean, I'll have that poll available, of course, at my uh, website. If you go to BuckBenny, uh, BuckBenny.com, it'll take you right there to my podcast page. Uh, that's under Podomatic is my uh, host, and you will be able to click on on the um, poll and be able to take the poll. You also can, I'll try and make sure that I link up, I haven't asked for any donations lately, so if you can donate, I'll also have that, my donate button there, so you can donate through PayPal, or of course you can always email me at buckmanyotr at gmail.com and ask for my address to uh, send any checks, money order, large bills, whatever you have my way, to uh, keep the podcast running, because with people downloading thousands and thousands of episodes, um, and thousands of people downloading each episode, it does start to, to rack up the money as, as far as the uh, bandwidth goes. But I hope you enjoy tonight's show, and please do take the poll so I can see how long I've had my listeners for, and we'll see you next time. The Jack Benny Program, transcribed and presented by Lucky Strike. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. 
Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. For Lucky's strike me. Fine tobacco, richer tasting. Fine tobacco. Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky strike. Lucky strike. This is Don Wilson, friends. How do you feel about it? Isn't smoking enjoyment the main thing you want from your cigarette? Well, just remember this. Smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Now, freshness is especially important. And you'll be glad to know that every pack of Lucky Strike is extra tightly sealed to bring you Lucky's better taste in all its natural freshness. Light up a Lucky and see for yourself how much fresher, how much better it does taste. Luckies just have to taste better. In the first place, they're made with fine tobacco. Fine, naturally mild, good-tasting tobacco. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Secondly, Luckies are made better. Made round and firm and fully packed to draw freely and smoke evenly. All this means better taste. Yes, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. So, be happy. Go Lucky. Get better taste and get it fresh with Lucky Strike. Be happy. Go Lucky. Get better taste today. Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Dobbin. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight Jack Benny and his entire cast leave for New York, where they'll do one television and two radio shows. As we look in on Jack's home in Beverly Hills, Rochester is taking care of the packing for the trip. Now let's see if everything's packed. Slippers, smoking jacket, silk robe, one full dress suit, dinner jacket, two tuxedos, silk scarf, gloves, white tie, and spats. Well, I guess that's about all. Now I better pack Mr. Benny's things. <laughs> convinced him to go out and buy some luggage for this trip. The boss really got a bargain in this airplane luggage buying it secondhand. There's no doubt but it's genuine airplane luggage. It used to belong to Orville Wright. <laughs> well, let's see. Rochester, how are you getting along with my packing? Fine, boss. I'm almost done. Did you pack all my toilet articles? Uh-huh. And I made sure I put in your hair oil, dandruff remover, military brushes, and combs. Good. They're not necessary, but they're great for your morale. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I'm going in the den and uh, look for some books to take on the train. Well, let's see. What else will Mr. Benny want to take along with him to New York? It'll be pretty cold there. I'd better pack some of his long underwear. <laughs> Here they are. He's sure got a lot of long underwear. <laughs> I'll never forget that time he put a pair on backwards. He looked like a sailor.
legs cut off just below the knees. Oh, yes, now I remember. Mr. Benny did that in Palm Springs. He wanted people to think they were pedal pushers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I better see it. Here, Rochester, put these books in my bag. Yes, sir. Now, Rochester, don't forget to take along my violin. You taking that thing to New York with you? <laughs> yes, and there's always a possibility it might get lost or damaged. So see that my insurance policy with Lloyd's of London is paid up. You got your violin insured with Lloyd's of London? Yes, why? I thought anything that moans like that would have the blue cross. <laughs> <laughs> Rochester, never mind being a musical critic. I'm going to take my violin. Shall I answer the door? No, you finish packing. I'll get it. Yeah, I can hardly wait to get on that train. Coming, coming. Oh, oh, hello, Don. Hello, Jack. Come on in. Don, I didn't think I'd see you till we got to the station. Jack, what I have to talk to you about can't wait. Why? What's the matter? About the accommodations. You got me on the super cheap. Well, what's wrong with them? Me in an upper berth? <laughs> Don, everybody on the show has an upper berth. Well, I don't like it. Now, wait a minute, Don. The last time we went to New York, how did you go? You shipped me by freight. <laughs> oh, yes, I forgot. I made a good deal with the railroad, man. That was the most humiliating trip I ever took. Humiliating? Why? When the train stopped at Chicago, they opened the door and some guy stamped Swift and Company on me. <laughs> All right, grade A. <laughs> if it'll make you happy, I'll get you a compartment. Well, that's better. Boss, I've got everything all packed and ready. Good, good. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Bob Crosby. Oh, hello, Bob. What is it? Well, June, the kids are all going to the station to see me off, so I'll have a car full. And, well, I wondered if you'd mind giving Frank Remley a lift to the station. Oh, of course. I'll be glad to. Remley. Where shall I pick him up? Under the arms, like we always do. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, well, <laughs> I'll see you at the station. Goodbye, Bob. So long. Well, Jenny, that takes care of Remley. Jack's going to take him to the station. Oh, is Frankie going on the same train with you? Oh, yeah, we all, uh, all have upper berths, except Bagby, the piano player. He has a compartment. A compartment? Mm -hmm. Well, why should Bagby have such nice accommodations when everyone else has an upper berth? Well, Junie, you need uh, extra room when you're handcuffed to a deputy sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> For a piano player, he can get into more trouble. Yeah. Say, did you pack my shirts and my ties? Yes, everything's ready. Say, I better take along some extra money. Money? Don't you get an expense account while you travel with the show? Well, yes. Jack gives us each $5 a day. <laughs> Five dollars a day? That'll hardly pay for your hotel room. What about food? Well, Jack has that all figured out. One day I eat and one day I sleep. <laughs> now, 
Now, I better get my heavy coat. You know, it's cold back east, honey. Well, I put it by your luggage. Oh, by the way, Bob, didn't I hear some talk that President Eisenhower is going to appear on Jack's radio show next week? That's right. Jack is dedicating an entire program to the Red Cross. Oh, gee, it's nice of Jack to do that. Well, it's no more than fair. Look at all the blood that they've given him. (laughs) Well, I mustn't forget to take my music to New York. What music is that? Well, it's a new number that I've been rehearsing. I think I'll try it over once. Skies are cloudy and gray They're only gray for a day So wrap your troubles in dreams Dream your troubles away Until that sunshine peeps through There's only one thing to do Just wrap your troubles in dreams Dream your troubles away. Your castles may tumble, that's fate after all. Life's really funny that way. No use to grumble, just smile as they fall. Weren't you king for a day? Just remember that sunshine always follows the rain. So wrap your troubles in dreams. Dream your troubles away. When skies are cloudy and gray, they're only gray for a day. So wrap your troubles in dreams. Dream your troubles away. Until that sunshine peeps through, there is only one thing to do. Gotta wrap your troubles in dreams Dream your troubles away Your castles may tumble, that's fate after all Life's really funny that way No use to grumble, just smile as they fall Weren't you king for a day? Say, just remember that sunshine Always follows the rain So wrap your troubles in dreams And dream your troubles away Well, I guess we've got almost everything packed, eh, Rochester? Yes, sir. How many sandwiches do you want me to make up for the train? None. None. Now, this trip, I'm going to eat all my meals in the diner. Well, I better take my camera. All the papers will want pictures of this. <laughs> Look, don't be so funny. Now, you put my luggage in the car and make sure all the doors and windows are shut. Oh, I got to go down to my vault and get some money for the trip. <laughs> Don, will you pick up Frankie Remley? Sure, Jack. See you on the train. Yeah, I'll be. I'm going out the vault. I'll be right back, Roger. Not across the bridge over the moat. (laughs) Gosh, look at that alligator. (laughs) So strong and powerful. It's been very valuable to me, too. 
three wallets and a belt, and he's still as healthy as ever. <laughs> Hope he forgets by next Christmas. He's getting wise to me when I come in here with a piece of meat in one hand and a can of ether in the other. <laughs> Down, boy. See you later. Fresher, smoother. Mm, lucky strike. Mm, lucky strike. <laughs> oh, it's you, Mr. Benny. Yes, Ed. Uh, nice seeing you again. Thank you. How are things on the outside? Is it still summer? No, no, Ed. It's February. Oh, yes. That follows September. <laughs> no, no, Ed. February follows January. January? Yes. That's a new one on me. <laughs> well, anyway, it's February. I gotta open the safe and get some money. Shall I lie down until you can give me the ether again? <laughs> no, no, Ed. You can watch this time. Well, let me see. The combination is right to 45. Left to 60. Back to 15. Then left to 110. There. <laughs> see how much money I need. There, this ought to be enough. Gosh, look at that big pile of money way in the back of the safe. Boy, if the South had won, I'd be a millionaire. <laughs> well, I better close the safe. Mr. Benny, you sure took out a lot of money this time. Yes, Ed, besides going on a trip. You see, on March 15th, I have to send my income tax to the government. All the way to Mexico City, huh? No, 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 Ed. California is a state now. <laughs> well, so long, Ed. Goodbye, Mr. Benny. Here's... 
There's the station, Rochester. You park the car and take care of the baggage. I'll go on in. Yes, sir. And don't be late. The super chief leaves in about 15 minutes. I gotta go to that drugstore and get myself a few things. What do you have to get? Some toothpaste, vitamin pills, and uh, shampoo. Uh, wait a minute, Rochester. Isn't that a Rexall drugstore? Yeah, why? Well, they're having a one-cent sale. Here's three cents. Get me the same. <laughs> I'll see you in the station. Oh, say, Rochester, here's another 15 cents. Get me a copy of the Saturday Evening Post with the Bob Hope autobiography in it. You know, the one that's called This Is On Me. I want to read it on the train. Train now leaving on track five for Anaheim, Azusa, and Duke Kamanga. Oh, hi, Jack. Oh, hello, Bob. Well, we'll be on our way pretty soon. Yep. I got to go over to the window. I forgot to buy a ticket for my producer. Train now arriving on track four from San Francisco. Train now arriving on track six from San Diego. Engine now arriving on track three from Las Vegas. <laughs> That conductor have bad luck. <laughs> well, hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Don. Say, where are the sportsmen? Right over there. They'll be with us in a minute. They're saying goodbye to a couple of friends of theirs who just got married. The sportsmen are where? Right over there. Oh, yes. <laughs> You'll enjoy Clean it through and through First you tear them Then compare them Choo-choo train Is pulling in the station Choo-choo train 
by the happy Don, I'll see you on the train. I gotta go over the ticket window. Okay, Jack. Attention, please. Attention. The train standing on track nine will not leave the station. The engineer refuses to travel for a lousy five dollars a day. <laughs> now let's see. Well, that's the ticket window over there. Oh, it's my friend from Calabasas. Uh, what are you doing here in Los Angeles? Rubbing my eyes, same as everybody else. <laughs> oh, that's, uh... For a city that don't grow nothing, you sure got a lot of smudging going on here. <laughs> yes, yeah, where are you going? No place. I just arrived from Calabasas. Oh. How are things out there? Oh, pretty good. Been making speeches all month. Speeches? Yep, I ran for mayor. The election was yesterday. Mayor of Calabasas? Uh, how'd you make out? I don't know. We're still waiting for the rural vote to come in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course, the rural vote. Well, tell me, did you put on a good campaign? Oh, yes, yes. I went around to each farmer individually and asked him what his biggest problem was. I see. And what is the farmer's biggest problem? Traveling salesman. <laughs> Well, so long, Rube. So long. So long. <laughs> well, I better go get that ticket. Attention, please. All newspaper men and reporters, attention. Now arriving from Florida, Barbara Hutton and Porfirio Ruberosa. They are arriving on trains marked his and hers. <laughs> well, this must be the window. Oh, yeah, that man there, I guess, is the ticket agent. Oh, mister, mister. Yeah. <laughs> Holy... Are you the ticket agent? No, I'm a groundhog. I came out, saw my shadow, and ran back in here. <laughs> well, I'd like to buy a ticket to New York. Well, I can only sell you a ticket to San Francisco. I just sold the man ahead of you a ticket to New York. Well, what's that got to do with it? You can sell me a ticket to New York, can't you? I can, but I won't. <laughs> Why not? I like to keep my stacks even. <laughs> The silliest thing. Uh, excuse me, sir. Huh? Uh, I'm in a terrible hurry. Would you mind if I go ahead of you? Well, no, I, I guess not. Thank you. Yes, sir. What can I do for you, sir? Uh, I'd like to buy a ticket to Constantinople. Oh, I'm awfully sorry, but you can't buy a ticket to Constantinople. Why not? Well, you see, Istanbul was Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> look, but look. I've got to meet my girl in Constantinople. 
Uh, every gal in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, not Constantinople. <laughs> so if you've a date in Constantinople, Look. she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Look, mister. Well, that's confusing. Well, I don't know why. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam. Well, why do they change it? I can't say. People just liked it better that way. <laughs> But I want to go back to Constantinople. But you can't go back to Constantinople. Now, it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. See, why did Constantinople get the word? That's nobody's business but the Turks. <laughs> oh. Here's your ticket to Istanbul. Oh, thank you, and goodbye. <laughs> I don't know why I always have to get into these kind of spots. Train now arriving on track nine with 75 carloads of Florida oranges. Train now departing on track nine with 75 carloads of Florida oranges. Now, look, clerk, you better sell me a ticket to New York or I'll report you. Oh, all right. Is the ticket for you? No, it's for my producer. Very well. Do you want this ticket on the El Capitan or the Super Chief? Well, let's see. I'm on the Super Chief, and the fare on that is $143. That's right. And if he goes on the El Capitan, it'll be $175. Now, just a minute. I happen to know that the Super Chief is more expensive than the El Capitan. Not when you're on it. <laughs> now, cut that out. Attention, please. The Super Chief is now departing. Hey, Jack, Jack, hurry, hurry. Coming, Don, coming. I just made it. Yeah, you sure did. You know, mister, it's nice being on the Super Chief, isn't it? Yeah, but I hate to think what's going to happen in a few minutes. Why? I'm handcuffed to a piano player who got on the El Capitan. <laughs> well, how do you like that? Jack will be back in just a minute. But first, let's meet America's prettiest professional golfer. Here she is, Miss Alice Bauer. You know something? I like to play golf. I've played golf for so many years. I played amateur golf at first, and now I'm playing professional golf. And I do like professional golf much better. It, uh, I don't know, it has more competition in it, and you really have to play a much better game of golf. I guess that's all a matter of taste, though. And after a hard day out on the golf course and really hard competition, I like to come in and sit down and relax and light up a Lucky. I guess that's a matter of taste, too. But to me, Lucky's taste better. Thanks, Alice Bauer. Friends, smoking enjoyment is all a matter of taste. And the fact of the matter is, Lucky's taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. First, because Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And second, because Luckies are made to taste better. So be happy. Go Lucky. Ask for a carton of Lucky Strike. Lucky 
tastes better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Lucky Strike! Lucky Strike! Well, Rochester, we're on our way to New York. Yeah, you've got a pretty busy schedule when we get there, haven't you? That's right. I'm not only doing two radio shows, but I'm also doing my television program next week with Helen Hayes. Then I also have to play a big benefit. A benefit? Who for, boss? My cast. Some of them would like to eat and sleep. <laughs> Good night, Paul. The Jack Benny program is written by Sam Perrin, Milt Josephsberg, George Balzer, John Packerberry, Al Gordon, Al Goldman, and produced and transcribed by Hilliard Marks. The Jack Benny program is brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American Tobacco Company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. Stay tuned for the Amos and Andy show on the CBS radio network.